0: Welcome to AI Dialogues, where we dig into implications of generative AI in higher education. I'm your host, Stephanie Burgoyne, an educational developer here at McMaster University. For today's episode, I'm joined by Jovan Popovic, the president of McMaster's Student Union. Jovan sat on McMaster's task force to develop provisional guidelines on the use of AI in teaching and learning. He's here with me today to talk a bit about that experience, as well as his own experience with AI and what he's hearing from other students. Let's jump right in. Jovan, welcome to AI Dialogues. Thank you. To get us started, I'd like you to tell me a little bit about your first exposure to generative AI.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, that'd be wonderful. The The first time I heard of it was probably late winter. Uh, it was more so recreationally. I had a couple friends telling me, oh, you got to see what this thing could do. You know, it just came out, it's amazing. You know, they go on and they're typing, you know, write songs as as in the style of the singer, right? Uh, educationally in the classroom, the first time I really ever saw it in that academic setting. I would say it was about February. I had a couple people introduce me to there where they were saying, oh, you got you to gotta try this, you know, it makes work so much easier. Uh, and initially they had told me about, obviously the thing that most, if not all professors fear, uh, the concept of, it could write your essays for you. Fortunately, these people weren't among those that were doing that. They, they were of the belief that it would be low quality work, things like that, uh, that people who have truly studied the material would know it better. Uh, they were discouraged from using it, just they, they were very ambitious, but they did use it in a very different manner in order to help them academically. And this is what I truly found interesting. They used it while we were going to be submitting an essay. They had it write an essay for them, given all the parameters, and then they used it comparatively to try and understand how can they align their work with something that could be written by a machine, right? How, how can we be better than this? And ultimately, the way that translates to the workplace as well, in the same sense of why is it, why is it worth paying the salary of a person when you could just use an automated AI machine? Uh, and it was that same concept. We have to be better than this. And it was really interesting to see. From that point on, I personally had next to no experience with it. Uh, I, I didn't even use it. For those purposes, I was slightly intimidated not knowing what the university policy was, what was considered ethical, unethical. Uh, My first personal experience came in, I'd like to say, July or August. And again, same process of I tried to recreationally had some fun with it. I was just trying to do some basic sports questions, see what it knows, what it could answer. Uh, And then later I started using it in an academic sense of here's a reading I have to do. Help me summarize it. And the way that it helped me was, these are some of the key points and key arguments. And now when I actually go through the reading myself, I know exactly what I'm looking for. And it just made it that much easier. So th- those are my first impressions, first experiences with it, both personally as well as seeing it through the lens of others.
0: That's really interesting. Um, I think you touched on a few key points there. The primary one being that people are kind of using it as a tool to help them rather than replace what they would uh, be doing themselves. I think that really gets to the root of a lot of what instructors are fearing, as you kind of alluded to. So, what would you say to these instructors who are concerned about their students just kind of using AIs in place of actually doing the work? I completely understand that
1: fear, but as a as a heavy advocate for AI having a place in the classroom, uh, the few things that I, I would quickly say is first off, a lot less people are using it than you think. Mm-hmm being a student myself, speaking to countless of my peers, there are very, very few that use it uh, as as more than a tool, right? Uh, A lot of people are going to use it in the the ways that I, I told you, the way that I attempted to try and use it that I thought was pretty cool and innovative, but a lot less people than you think are actually using it in the sense of write my essay for me and then just submitting it. The other thing that I'll say is an example of my first experience with it, when I said I was asking sports questions and stuff. I'm a big baseball fan, I I love the Toronto Blue Jays. And the first time I ever used it, I asked it to create me a projected Toronto Blue Jays lineup for the year 2025, based on the information it had available to that point. If you look in an academic sense, hypothetically speaking, if that was my assignment, to create a projected Blue Jays lineup by the year 2025, if I didn't truly know the material, that would have been my submission. But when when I do know the material, I, I know what I'm talking about as a, as a baseball fanatic in this hypothetical situation, I realized all the issues that came with the lineup. I realized that their superstar pitcher was listed as the designated hitter. And when I asked their logic as to why, its explanation was, oh, well, because he's a great pitcher, he must also be a great hitter, which is completely untrue. And then I noticed that they had a left-handed throwing player at shortstop, which in baseball is a big no-no, there were several instances of problems like these where if I didn't know any better, that would have been my submission. Whereas I do know better. I know that these are errors and I continuously asked it more questions, provided more guidelines, more rules to continue improving it until eventually through maybe six or seven attempts, I actually had what looked like a realistic and strong lineup for a potential 2025 projected team. And I understand that this is all sports and all baseball and recreation, but I think the same logic applies to artificial intelligence as a tool. If somebody were to just submit the work and ask it to write a basic essay, they're going to get a basic essay, exactly that. Whereas if they actually know the know the material, they know what they're writing about, they're going to use it more as a tool of asking questions and working with it, working around it. Like I said that that whole aspect of a tool as opposed to something to replace. And I think that's where the biggest difference come in. Uh, I believe it was Pablo Picasso who said years back, "Computers are stupid; they only give you answers. The important part is really knowing what questions to ask."
0: Absolutely, and I think that goes back to what you'd been saying with other people using it in terms of kind of using it as a baseline and then approving upon that, um, kind of identifying like what is the the minimum standard, mm-hmm. minimum threshold that we should be striving for. And so you've talked a little bit about like how you see it being used as a tool. How do you see it as kind of changing how we engage with students?
1: I think that the biggest way that it could change our overall engagement with students as an institution, as a university, is ultimately through pushing the capability of what we're actually able to teach students. I mean, this is a tool that sets us really far ahead. We we saw the same thing, if I'm going to bring it back to basic terms again, with with the computer. When the computer came out, the internet came out and everything, there was such resistance. I remember people always telling me, oh, you, you have to learn math without a calculator. You're not always going to have a calculator on you. That obviously changed with the smartphone calculator in my pocket at all times. Uh, the computer has vastly, vastly helped in countless aspects in making humans ultimately more efficient, more capable. Of the overall work that they could do. And I think artificial intelligence shares a lot of those same traits and ultimately what students can learn in their time and experience at McMaster University. The biggest use that I foresee for artificial intelligence is that it could take out a lot of the really, really basic level things that a lot of students have to do. Uh, it could help you find sources for for essays, for papers, for for presentations like that. It, it could help you find those sources, point you in the right direction. It could help consolidate information. I see a lot of international students potentially helping use it to translate properly to make sure they're finding the right wording and all, as opposed to just using Google translate, which is very unreliable. I've seen a lot of, a lot of uses like this where those tedious tasks that they have to get done in order to produce a quality paper or something, but that aren't necessarily the best use of your time it helps students move right past that into the part where they could really focus their time and energy on the things that are the most important to learn and and the most critical to progress forward academically. So while I don't have a specific answer as to how it could be implemented, I think that could ultimately be the end goal and the strongest possible use for it going forward.
0: Mm. That's interesting. Going back to your analogy with the calculator, like thinking of in primary school, kids still learn addition, subtraction, like the the fundamental kind Mm -hmm. of these building blocks. I'm curious with AI, where there is a potential risk for it kind of removing some of that grunt work. Do you still see value in students like learning those skills, and then using this tool to kind of replace that when they have an understanding? Like, would use of AI in a first-year course differ from a fourth-year course?
1: I think it would. In terms of those basic skills, if I'm continuing to go back to those old adages, uh, how many people told me it would be critical to know long division, uh, multiplication in your head, the multiplication tables and all. Uh, And while those are basic useful skills to have in many senses, at least in the early stages should, I think personally should should continue to be taught. How far into depth you go with those is really what starts to come into question. Again, I, I'm not the person you should be asking if you want to do long division. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm going to turn to my calculator. That's where I'm going to, yeah. to turn to, to computers and all. Uh, and I think that there's very similar uses here. And again, while I think this is so new that we don't know the specifics as to how it can be applied and what knowledge bases it could be replaced. I think a lot of that will come very naturally over Mm -hmm. the coming years, Uh, just like how individuals figured out these are the best possible uses for the computer. I think it'll be very much the same way. Uh, I was in a panel for the U21 symposium here at McMaster earlier in the summer. And I recall somebody asking me, what is the role of students in artificial intelligence? And I, I, I brought up a story I'd read I believe it was somewhere in Japan, I don't recall the specific location, of these individuals finding it was a moss that it always finds the most efficient and most direct route to where it's going. So what these individuals ended up doing, these city planners, is they created a smaller replica of the city, and then they put oats, which is what this moss ate or consumed, at the hot spots in the city. And then they put the moss in the middle, and just let it work its way out and spread uh, in order to get to these OATs. And ultimately the moss found the most efficient way to get there, the most efficient, the fastest, the most ideal. This ended up being used to implement their transit system. This is what they used for for their bus lines or anything because they now knew the most effective ways to use it. And I think that the role of students in working with AI, and as you mentioned through first year, through fourth year, discovering those differences, I think the role of the students is similar to that moss where they're going to help you define what the proper uses are, what the best uses are, the most efficient, uh, and and ultimately the most helpful. And I I think a lot of that comes naturally as you go through the years, uh, hopefully where students are encouraged to use AI in the classroom as a learning tool.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a nice segue into thinking about kind of the work that you were involved with on the task force, where. As many of you will know, McMaster, um, as as other institutions kind of defaults to, if it's not explicitly stated in the course syllabus, assume that use is prohibited. And a number of instructors have actually prohibited use of AI. I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about that experience sitting on the the task force, kind of providing that student perspective. What was that like? Were there any points of tension?
1: Certainly. I I mean, I think that this has become such a, a large topic, especially Given how new it is in the academic setting, I mean, we're we're approaching one year. Are We at the one year past the one year. I, I don't recall, but regardless, that that's such a youthful point in something like a tool like ChatGPT. Over the summer, we held, I believe it was four meetings. I unfortunately had to miss the first uh, due to a conference in in Ottawa, but I was there for the. For the others. Um, There was significant discussion around what the proper uses should look like, what the university should be promoting and or restricting. One of the biggest topics was how do you handle academic integrity in this sense. I think that some of the the larger, I'm not sure I'd call it points of tension, but given that that's the example, the one was working through academic integrity. The, The university was obviously very concerned with that. As one would be expected with with such a, a world-renowned institution. But to the same extent, as, as the student leaders, the, the student voice, there were concerns about, okay, well, should we be going at a, a catch-all approach, like the university's looking at the, the wide net in unexplored waters, or should we be looking at a more narrow scope, which is what I was trying to advocate for. I'm very big on, this is a great learning tool that could really amplify the student experience and, and continue to upgrade our overall capacity as students and academic learners. And I very much wanted it to be, we don't know enough about this yet. It's brand new. We're one of the internationally leading institutions in creating uh, such policies and guidelines. I think that we should be going very narrow. And as we start to see potential academic integrity cases develop, expand outward from there, uh, as opposed to putting a lot of vague wording, uh, things that I found concerning as students could be penalized for, for a lot of different works that uh, is potentially undeserving. And and while I think that that approach was where it was led, where it was kind of directed, I think that there was a lot of debate and discussion to help narrow it down a little bit more, to help make it a little bit more protective and, and helpful of students. And even though there's a little bit of a re- more more than a little bit, but a, a restrictive nature on, on the use of artificial intelligence at McMaster, I think that uh, there was a lot accomplished in terms of those academic integrity fears. Well, I agree that there's still more to go, Uh, it had come a long way from where it once was. The other large topic of debate is the role of artificial intelligence in feedback rating and assessment. So more on the TA and professor side than actually on the student side. And that was an interesting one. Uh, Until I saw the agenda, it didn't even pop into my head. I always thought of this as, how are students going to use it? Not necessarily how are the professor and TA side going to use it. And right now, Uh, From what I recall in the guidelines, TAs are able to use it to provide feedback. I personally am not sure how I feel about this yet. Students have had mixed reaction. Uh, There was also the possibility thrown around of grading an assessment by AI, which that was probably one of the most debated points, and ultimately that was turned away. That personally, I'm very thankful for. I think we're at a point far too early for concerns pertaining to that, but that was really interesting and unexpected one that. That caused a lot of debate.
0: With the guidelines themselves, what are you hearing from other students? Is there are the guidelines clear? Are there points that people feel are unclear? Tell me a little bit about uh, kind of what rumblings you're hearing on campus.
1: Yeah, I think that this is one of the points that a lot of people don't necessarily think of right off the top of their head because Various individuals have asked me, university administration-wise, what are the thoughts from students? What do people think of the guidelines? Now, uh, we have a town hall coming up to help communicate with students at the end of November, uh, myself and other members of the task force. And ultimately, my surprise, my answer seems to be a surprise to them almost every time, which is nobody knows. Nobody reads into this. Nobody actually looks at it. There's very few students that could actually tell you anything about what these policies and guidelines actually are. So that creates the the concern for me of students prefer to just avoid using it altogether because they're not sure what they are and aren't allowed to do. Uh, McMaster as an academic institution obviously prides themselves on academic integrity and has very high moral values and ethical values. But there's there's a lot. Students have to read through a lot to fully understand what they are and aren't allowed to do, uh, what the policies read, not just on artificial intelligence, but academic integrity and all other uh, student code of conduct, things like that. And unfortunately, that time isn't taken. So as thorough as the policy and guidelines actually are, students just don't know what it is. And I think that that's one area where uh, the university struggled. I'll, I'll add the student unions, we've been trying to communicate this as well, but... Students just don't know what these policies are. They don't know what they are and aren't allowed to do. Uh, A lot of them, even in the instances where they are allowed to use artificial intelligence, are, are nervous to do so. Just because they don't know, can we actually do this? And it's become a major concern. Just the fact of the guidelines are already fairly restrictive, in my opinion. And yet, on top of that, students are still concerned where it can and can't be applied.
0: Yeah, so it's sounding like it's really important about kind of the conversations that happen within a course to clarify what can and cannot be uh, accomplished. And I think that also gets to the varying use cases for AI where it's not any or there's a whole spectrum of things in which it could be used for. And there's kind of a blurring of boundaries as to what is and what could be perceived as cheating or plagiarism. Yeah, so I think that there's a lot uh, to unpack there and that you brought a lot of great, great points and perspectives. To, to end us off, I was hoping you could give us maybe some predictions for what you think is going to happen over the next year or what you'd like to see happen.
1: Sure. So the prediction of what I think will happen is artificial intelligence is becoming so integrated in everyday life Uh, I I recall a couple months ago, there was an announcement by, I believe it was RBC laying off nearly 6,000 people due to artificial intelligence. We're seeing other companies doing the same. And there have always been those concerns of, are the computers going to replace us? This has been happening for 20, probably more years, and now we're seeing that wave happening again. Uh, Ultimately, people always continue to find their way through. And while there might be areas of job loss, there's also areas of job creation. And I think that that's largely what we're going to see. And in the classroom, students are going to realize that. Many of them already have. Many of them have already realized it quickly. And many of them want to get their hands on this. They want to start learning with this. They're eager to start learning with this. They know that they have to. What I'm hoping to see in the future is a little bit of regression on the restrictive nature of the guidelines. I want to see a lot more flexibility for use, similar to the MOSS example that I referred to earlier. I think that students should really be the one figuring out and diagnosing what are the best possible uses here? How can we proceed forth? What are the best ways we could use this to continue learning? Uh, Ultimately, it is a learning tool. It is a way for us to continue progressing and expanding our capabilities and and overall learning capacity. I think that regardless of what the academic guidelines are going to be, that eventually students are going to start turning that way. uh, Regardless, they see how important of a learning tool this is. And my hope is ultimately that McMaster is able to see this at the same time and that they're able to react to it and help implement it into the classrooms to make sure the students are using it properly, effectively, and efficiently before students ultimately turn to it on their own.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jovan. And I look forward to hearing what comes from those town halls as well.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me here. It was very enjoyable and I always love being able to discuss artificial intelligence any opportunity I get. So hopefully those town halls are effective. We could continue engaging with students, learning more of of what they want and uh, how these guidelines are applied. And ultimately, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And for our next episode, we'll be bringing in the graduate student perspective, speaking to Ian, who um, sat on the task force as well, providing some of that graduate student perspective. So until then.